You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Our guest today, Tim Alba, teaches screenwriting both at UCI's Extensions program and at UCLA's Professional Screenwriting program. His students have sold scripts to production companies including John Cusack's New Crime Productions, the Coen Brothers, Michael Bay, and Wendy Feynman. Alba's writing credits include the film Trading Favors. Tim Alba, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's nice to have you with us. How, how are you doing? Everything all right? Yeah, everything's going great. Good. Uh, glad the holidays are coming around. It means things will finally start to slow down. Yeah. So, is there a lot of work right now in the extensions program? You have uh, papers coming in. Um, the extension class. We're just finishing the beginning class. Um, it's a year-long cycle, and so it goes beginning, intermediate, advanced, and then a rewrite class at the end. And obviously, with the intention of finishing and then rewriting. Um, a script. Uh-huh. And so everybody in this class that we're just finishing up has spent the quarter developing their stories and figuring out exactly what the movie is that they're going to write. So not a lot of stuff to take home yet. They're mm-hmm. still not really actually to writing script. Yet. So they have, do you have any ideas out there right now that are uh, fairly outstanding you want to tell us about? <laughs> From the students in the class? Yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah, that's what I was aiming at, but... Uh, Maybe not. <laughs> they probably don't want to yeah. bring them up. It's this early part of the process. There you okay. go. But um, I will okay. say, I mean, as long as we're talking about those classes, um, the last two projects that our production company has set up were both written in classes at UCI Extension. Very good. Well, that's yeah. got to that's so, got to be a, a, a great incentive for people coming into the class to know that if it's good, if it makes if it makes mustard, as they say, it'll be it'll get some serious consideration. Which yeah, is, um, I mean, obviously, there's no guarantees, sure. but um, yes, it definitely is a uh, motivator. Yeah. Definitely. So now you're you're saying with with these uh, with your extension classes that you need to get in on on and in, in the first cycle in this. What's the the fall quarter, and then you go through the that whole process till that, the end of the year. That's correct. They don't require them to go through the entire year, obviously. And sometimes yeah. people who may have taken the year, the full year cycle in the past, they may jump back in in the intermediate class or the advanced class and write a whole script in a quarter. But the general idea is, yeah, we want you to commit to the year and go through the process of learning how to do it. I mean, so many people are in a hurry. You know, you see people come into a class and they've never written a script before, but they've read lots of Premier Magazine or Entertainment Weekly and they think they can do it. And they're expecting to sell a script by Christmas and, you know, be sailing on their yacht, (laughs) you know, around Maui by the New Year's. And, you know, both of those projects that we set up, written by UCI students, one of them, he had been at it for eight years, and the other one for probably about five years. Oh my yeah. Is that the biggest misconception that, that your students have about screenwriting, is that the process is, you know, you're, you're in and out, and you're making money quickly? Yes, very uh, much so. It's not an easy gig. Uh, you know, it's a very specific type of writing. It's no 
joke or mistake that uh, you know some of the world's greatest novelists have failed miserably at screenwriting because it's just a completely different ballgame. Well, what do you think is is the biggest difference between say writing a novel and and writing a, a screenplay? What's the the biggest jump for a for an author to make? Screenplays are all external. In a book, in a novel, you can spend an entire chapter going into the head of your protagonist and explaining what he's thinking and. You know, all of those types of things were in a movie. It's always external. It's always action that moves the story forward. And it's all show, don't tell. So how did you get your start? What brought you to screenwriting? I was living in San Francisco. I was getting my under, undergraduate degree in um, English at San Francisco State. Was managing a law firm by day, going to school at night. And I was pretty much in line to go to law school. And then the lawyers that I worked with were, at that time, it was late 80s and the big thing was kind of straight-to-video, schlocky kind of horror stuff, and they put together a lot of limited partnerships for those kind of movies. And at that time, you know, you can make one of those movies for a couple hundred grand and then put a couple copies in every blockbuster and make your money back. And so I was going to go to law school and kind of run up that legal division for them and with the hope and plan of then starting to finance and put together deals for legitimate movies. But the last quarter at San Francisco State, I took a screenwriting class with a gentleman, fine guy, named Peter Almond, who's a producer in town. He produced 13 Days, the Cuban Missile Crisis oh, yeah. movie yeah. with uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. And I wrote a script in that class and submitted it to the Bay Guardian screenwriting competition, which is kind of like a free weekly paper like OC Weekly, and won that competition. And next thing I knew, I was in grad school at UCLA. Really? How did that go for you? Is the program there? You're still teaching there at UCLA. Yes, I did... do teach um, at UCLA. UCI was the first place I taught, and I always thought it would just be like a one-quarter gig. They had an overflow, and a colleague of mine, Linda Voorhees, was teaching there at the time, and they asked me to come in for a quarter. I thought I'd be in and out and cut to 10 years later. And then once I had a film produced, um, I was asked to teach at UCLA. So I teach a class each quarter at each place, and thoroughly enjoy it. It's a great release for me, and it's fun to see, you know, other people who are still not jaded and not cynical about the process, uh, getting excited about it. And also, it's a great way for myself and my uh, producing partner to find material for a company. Now, does that mean you're jaded and cynical? <laughs> uh, depends on what time of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. depends when you ask. Now, now you have this this production company. Tell me a little bit about that. How how do things work on that end of it? When when you do get a script that you think is uh, is worthy? Sure, it's um, we're called Popular Films, and uh, you can check us out at popularfilms.com. My producing partner, a wonderful fellow named Sean Sorensen, was actually a student in one of my classes at UCLA about six years ago. And we struck up a friendship and found that we had similar tastes and similar interests. And I was looking to kind of go in a new direction in my career. He was just starting out, and he had a script called Sealand, which is based on the story of a British gentleman named Roy Bates who started pirate radio in Britain in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And the government tried to shut him down, so he moved his operation out onto a gunnery platform in the English Channel and declared it a country. Mm-hmm. And to this day, it's the world's smallest sovereign nation. Oh, is- and uh, he had written that and wanted me to read it, give him my notes, and I did, and we you know, became friends. And he was like, look, you're good at this, I'm good at that, why don't we team up? And so we started a company. You know, Sealand, of course, was our first project, and it's at Warner Brothers. Mike Newell is going to direct it. And then I found a couple of things through my classes, and then we also 
find things just over the transom. Uh, I had a student at UCLA who'd read a book that he really liked that we then went to the author, got the rights to the book, and then set up the book. So it's we're kind of all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Word has it that uh, studios change scripts once uh, you hand them in. I, no, I've no. heard <laughs> a rumor. There's a yeah, vicious a rumor yeah. circulating. How do you tell your students to uh, to get used to that, you know, to, to having what they hand in not look the same when it comes out the other end? Yeah. Um, well, it happens each week in class. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> they get used um, to that. <laughs> uh, you know, the good thing about the class is, uh, is obviously we're workshopping material. It's not... I mean, obviously, I like I lecture a little, but a lot of it is just I feel like the way you learn how to do it is to do it. Yeah. You know, fall down, get back up, do it again. You know, rewriting is just part of the process. I mean, as they say, writing is rewriting. And as a first-time writer, let's say you sell a screenplay, you know, under the minimum basic agreement through the WGA, you're going to get the first rewrite and a polish. But then nine times out of ten, they're going to get rid of you after you fulfill those contractual obligations and bring in someone else who has a track record. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Hollywood is totally fueled by fear, and um, people, I think, more and more aren't really sure of what is good and what works. And so instead of really digging deep to try and figure out how to make it work, it's always, well, maybe we can bring in a fresh voice who will bring a new spin to the material. What what kind of an impact have you seen that the rise of the uh, so-called independent films have had on uh, on Hollywood as as far as screenwriting is concerned? Are they trying to tailor their approach to reflect that? Or is or are they taken in a completely different direction with Pirates of the Caribbean and or just continued, I should say, in the, in that sort of big screen, big entertainment kind of kind of way that they yeah. do. That's a good question. I mean, you know, obviously the business is continually evolving, and I think what we're seeing now is just like in television, how you can, there are definitely targeted channels for targeted audiences. I think we're going to start to see more and more of films that are just targeted at specific audiences. Mm -hmm. And the studios are getting away from making those more targeted films. So in other words, the studio would rather make Pirates of the Caribbean for $300 million than make Stranger Than Fiction for $20 million. Mm -hmm. Because Pirates of the Caribbean is a splash, it breaks through the clutter, it stands out, it's it's just big, and they know how to market that kind of stuff. That's what they call a tent? Sure, a tentpole movie. Tentpole movie, right. Yeah, which basically... It's the thing that's going to hold up everything else, for lack of a better analogy. And, you know, they hit a home run with that movie, and it's great. But I think Stranger Than Fiction is a fabulous movie, too. And they each have their places, but the studios are getting away from making those smaller films. And so what we're seeing happening now is that a lot of the agencies are aligning themselves with independent money, uh, hedge funds, various, you know, high-worth individuals who are willing to put together a package and put together the financing for a project, and then you've got that completed package, and then the studio buys it for the right to distribute it. Mm -hmm. And then the studio doesn't have to develop it. The studio doesn't have any of that kind of overhead. All they have to do is come up with an advertising campaign and the prints and advertising. So they're buying the, the finished product, and they're going to essentially take it and run with it. Yeah, and uh, sometimes it's not even the finished product. Like, for example, Sasha Cohen, the guy who did Borat, 
right after the big success of Borat, he already had his next movie written and the package all put together. It wasn't shot yet, but it was all put together. And they had said that they had put together a budget of $25 million, and then they went to Universal and sold the rights for $45 million. Yes. So well, you're covered, and you're set. Well, done. That you, you're talking 20 minutes. I'm, what I'm talking about is, as an example, over at the University Theater right now, we have Sweetland, Flannel Pajamas, little, even Little Miss Sunshine. I don't know how much that was made for, but the, the kind of film, or Little Children, I should say, those are films are made for probably three, four, five million dollars, if that, that much. That, yeah. Is that the same? Are we talking about the same scale, the same kind of uh, arrangement that you were talking about with, like, A Stranger Than Fiction? Well, I would imagine that those films, I don't know particularly how they were put together, but um, I would imagine that a lot of that is uh, limited partnerships, private equity, where a producer Mm -hmm. runs around and raises the money, which is, you know, part of the things that we do, to get a budget to shoot a movie. And then, like, for example, with Sweetland, which I know was in the Newport Beach Film Festival last year, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing just based on things that I've read about the film that you then go out and you show it at festivals and you hope that somebody will... Pick it up. So that's the value of a Sundance or Toronto or some of the other fest- film festivals, right. particularly that's, I guess Sundance. That's called, a, that's called a negative pickup deal, where they, yeah. you know, the movie's made, it's wrapped, it's paid for, and then you just pray that someone will pick it up to distribute it, so you can pay back your investors. We're speaking with Tim Alba, and he uh, teaches an extension extension courses here uh, at UCI on screenwriting, and also at UCLA, yep. and has uh, experience in. Uh, Putting together a script that was turned into a film. Tell us about your film experience. What happened uh, for you when Trading Favors? By the way, it's ha- it has a couple of different titles. What's it, the story on that? Yeah, it does. Um, or we'll just get to the story. That was the, <laughs> How do you mean? Yeah, well, where do we begin? <laughs> uh, that was the one decent script I wrote in my three years as a grad student at UCLA. And God bless everyone at UCLA. It's a wonderful place to get discovered. And I was at a party and met a guy who'd just become an agent, and he was like, hey, would you like to be my first client? I was like, sure, what the heck? And and, uh, they then proceeded to kind of shop the script around, and a lot of people loved it, but nobody really wanted to make it. And then Don Simpson of Simpson Bruckheimer Producing Fame, who produced the Beverly Hills Cop movies, et cetera, he uh, um, had a little accident, overdosed on cocaine, and uh, died, and his assistants decided, okay, here's our chance to kind of go off and do our own thing. And they approached my agents and asked them if he had a offbeat, dark, edgy little movie that they could make for, you know, half a million dollars and take to Sundance. And so that was that script, Do Me a Favor, and they bought it. But then it kind of took on a life of its own and became a bigger budget film and wasn't the best movie ever made. Saw limited distribution in the States. I'm huge in Kuala Lumpur. And, uh, um, but got my kind of foot in the door, and then I was able to get other jobs off of that. It was really, I mean, as much as you, as a, as a teacher, you can teach about these things, but you've experienced it, all of it. Well, that's that you're... a great thing, I think, about the classes, not only at UCI yeah. and also at UCLA, and not just the ones I teach at UCLA, but also all the other instructors there, is that we're all involved in the business. And so... When I'm sitting in front of a room at UCI and people are presenting their material, I'm giving them notes as if they were a writer that we had hired to adapt a book that we had the rights to. What would be your advice to someone who uh, had an idea, was a writer, wanted to put it down in uh, script form? What what would be the first step? I mean, should they take a class? Should they put 
try to just run the script together and and, uh, go off on their own? What would be your advice? Let's put it this way. When you're alone in a room with your computer, you're brilliant. Uh-huh. And then when you actually get out in the world and present it to people, you may discover that you're not as brilliant as you thought. And I think the best thing that a class can offer is that immediate feedback, obviously, um, and, but also, too, a community of other writers, other people who are excited about the process and doing it. And that allows you support because it's a very lonely process. You know, if you're outgoing and gregarious, Screenwriting is a difficult thing because you're locked in. You know, the hardest thing is to lock yourself in a room for eight hours a day by yourself. So my advice would be, sure, there's plenty of books out there. You can read lots of books. You can take those weekend seminars. And, you know, there's a smorgasbord of those things, and you can taste everything. But I think in the end, there are three or four, you know, well-regarded screenwriting programs in the area um, that have had successes. And I think that it would be highly beneficial for anyone to take a class and at least learn the basics. Well, as, as I'm not sure if we mentioned, the uh, you had a script come out of your class for uh, the film The Machinist. That is correct. And, Scott Kozar uh, wrote that in my class at UCLA. I'm sorry, who? Uh, his name's Scott Kozar. Uh-huh. And by all accounts, I unfortunately did not see that, but I heard it was a terrific film, and Christian Bale was apparently amazing in it. Yeah, uh, he lost about 80 pounds to play the role. Yeah, but I guess the, my point in bringing that up is, and I think you made an important point, and that is this community of people who are enthused about the process, who understand the process, and being around them does provide you not only the feedback, but in, I would assume reinforces one's own enthusiasm for your own project, which I imagine can wane at times when you're in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that I would think you really you need that. Now, do you find people taking your class over and over? I mean, they'll have a class, I mean, a script that you know, they'll go through a year and a half or two years of this? Yes, definitely does. Um, Not so much at UCLA. Well, yes, at UCLA as well. At UCLA, I teach in the professionals program and also the graduate school on occasion. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the professional program is a year-long program where you write two scripts, and then you can come back and take advanced classes quarter by quarter. At UCI, oh, yeah, you see people who come back over and over and over again. And Specifically, those two gentlemen whose projects we set up, Stephen Bagatorian and also a guy named Rich Davis, they both, Steve took classes from me at UCI for nine years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, And if someone was interested in starting, what would they do uh, right now? They can go to the Extension website. Uh I don't know the address, but I guess if you just use the Google and type in UCI (laughs) Extension. The Google. And as well, Kerwin Rockefeller runs that program at UCI, and they could find him and find out more information about the classes. Very good. Tim Alba, thank you so much for for being here on Film School, and uh, good luck to you and all your projects in the future. My pleasure. Thank you. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash film school.